Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. So one of my professors reminded me that the Hebrew concept of time is different than ours. We are linear. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 1, 2, 3 p.m. You know, a a linear type of of timeline here. But the ancient Hebrews, it was like more cyclical or even like a a spiral, you could say. All right. And so God, he 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 told the Israelites, the Hebrews to remember. And they they were actually good at this uh, from from time to time. Remember, they were good at remembering, remember, re-dash member. And, and, and when you remember, you, you enter a story again. And the idea is that you revisit that story and you leave changed. Okay, you, you spiral back to a story and spiral back to present day with a sense of renewal. It's, it's not a, a rehashing, but almost like a, a rebooting. Right, like, like this is your story. Know your story. Like, carry your story with you as you move forward. And the the Hebrews, they had these festivals, multiple festivals, these holy days, and this is what they would do. They would they would celebrate and they would remember who who they are, their their own faith stories. Now, in observation for us today, you know, busyness. Hardship, sickness, sometimes we get into survival mode. And all of these things, these pressures, these forces, it can it can it can really, you know, play its toll on a church family. Hardship, busyness, all of these all of these things, all these messages, there there's a possibility of of these things breaking apart a, a community. And these things they they, they break down our belief, our faith in God as, as well. But here's the thing. When we remember, when we retell Bible stories, what we're doing is we are spiraling back, symbolically living through these stories, and we learn from them, and we come out the other side with a sense of renewal, with a sense of, of a stronger belief in God. Maybe we learn something about our identity or God's identity. Maybe there, there's a, a stronger sense of community. Good stories can really shape us. Now, we all have a friend who tells dead-end stories, all right? What's a dead-end story? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, it was, it was halftime, and I went to the concession stand, and the guy in front of me was, was buying grape soda, and it's like, okay, where's the story going? It's, it's a dead-end You know, a good story, though, a good story will shape us. A good story will point us to something good. Stories have signs and symbols. Signs and symbols point to something as well. They communicate meaning. The Bible has lots of signs and symbols. All right. Like the rainbow. All right. No more global flood. It's a sign. Circumcision. It's a sign that points to the covenant that God has with Abraham. A bloody doorpost, right? 
If I say bloody doorposts, you guys think, oh, the, the destroyer is going to pass over this house. God is saving them from, from death. All right, These signs point to something bigger. Signs and symbols. In the Gospels, Jesus taught about the kingdom. He told stories about the kingdom, mostly in parable form. But then he also had these signs and wonders that went with all this. Uh, and, and these signs and wonders pointed to the kingdom of God. John Wimber, he's one of the church uh, founders of, of the Vineyard Church Movement. Uh, he says this, Jesus's signs and wonders were like his calling card. One of the proofs that the kingdom of God had really come. Now, your Bible, your New Testament has four gospel accounts, right? Four gospel accounts that record what Jesus said, what Jesus did. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they tell a lot of the same stories. Have you ever noticed that? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they have their differences, of course. But they, they kind of track together a lot of the same stories and parables. Now, if you think of like a theater, you can almost just imagine like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're in the theater. They're not all in the same spot, but they're all watching what's happening on stage. Now, here's the thing. There's a fourth gospel writer, and his name's John. John's in the theater, too. But he's like back in the back corner of the balcony, like having his own uh, conversation. He's at the concession stand buying grape soda. Now, he's... He is, he is there in the theater, but his, his approach to the gospel account is different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. For instance, have you ever noticed that John, the gospel of John, doesn't have any parables in it? John doesn't use parables, but he has a different approach. He has a different framework. At least the first half of his gospel account, his framework, he uses seven signs of Jesus. These signs are like parables in action. All right. And of the four gospel accounts, John talks about eternal life the most. It's amazing. If you look through the gospel of John, eternal life is all over, all over the place. And so we're going to be in the Gospel of John today. There are seven signs that communicate something to us about eternal life, life in the kingdom of God. And so what we have in our agenda today is we're, we're going to spiral back into seven different signs that display Jesus's glory and teach us something about eternal life. Seven signs that teach us about life in God's eternal kingdom. And so we're, we are going to move quickly today. We're going to skip over a lot of details today, but we're going to see how each sign does point us to a different understanding, a different perspective of eternal life. And I do want to give uh, a shout out. There's, there's a book by Len Sweet and Frank Viola. Um, it's called, it's simply called Jesus. Uh, a theography is what they call it. Um, this, this book has helped shape my, my sermon today. So uh, let's just ask for one little uh, prayer of, of blessing, and then we'll get into these stories. We'll remember these stories together as a church this morning. 
So, Father, once again, we just ask that you would bring your glory, bring your 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 wonderful teaching wisdom to us today. God, bless this message to us, God. Not not so that you know it's, it's not about me, God. About like like if I stumble through this, God, still just be amazing, Lord. Be amazing. Teach us t- today. In your name, we pray. Amen. All right, so. Bibles, John, the Gospel of, of John. Let's let's turn there together. We're in John chapter two. That's that's where we'll start. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There we go. All right. So the first sign that we're going to cover today is in John chapter two. It's verses one to eleven. We're in Cana in Galilee. All right. There's a wedding going on. So cool that you know Jesus made sure to celebrate and party with his with his people. So he's at a, a wedding, and uh, you know weddings there's there's lots of wine, and this wedding feast they they ran out of wine. And you know what? This is super embarrassing. Like this is something that should not happen. Jess and I actually have an experience. We were at a wedding, uh, a, a reception afterwards, and they ran out of food. And there's like two tables to go. And so then we had to wait a whole hour for like the caterers to go make food and truck it back to the farm we were at. It was, it's not good, right? We're, we're trying to be people of grace, but when you're at a, a reception and it's already been long, you know, you just want to eat that reception food, right? So like, like you just like the wine ran out. And so Jesus's mom is there and she goes to Jesus. She's asking for help. There's six stone jars of, of water. This is for purification processes, about 20 to 30 gallons worth of water. And what happens here? Jesus, he turns it into wine, water into wine. It's delivered to the chief steward of the wedding, and he is amazed. This is the best wine he has ever had. It is amazing, amazing wine. Typically, you serve the good stuff first, and once everybody kind of dip in a little bit then you bring out the chief stuff and, and this chief steward's like wow like you guys you guys did it differently you brought the best for last and so that's the first sign that jesus uh, that john gives us about jesus and so look at verse 11 there in john chapter 2 this the first of his signs jesus did at cana in galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So that's a little note I just want to make real quick. These signs, they're not just to blow our minds, but they're all they're also there to, to shift us in our belief. From unbelief to belief. These disciples, they started to grow in their faith. Alright, so what does this teach us about eternal life? Guess what? Jesus brings the reversal of human failure and embarrassment. The story teaches us other things, but for today, we can learn that there is no humiliation in the kingdom of God. Jesus removes shame and guilt. It's going to be gone someday, right? No shame, no guilt. Eternal life is about purity, and that is something to look forward to. Those six stone jars of water, they were for purification. The number six uh, is meaningful, all right? Six 
six is the number of, of man, and, and it's not seven. Six is not seven. Seven is the number of, of perfection. So Jesus takes the six stone jars and makes it better. Water into wine. Let's keep moving here. The second sign, yeah, Jesus heals an official's son. So we're going to turn to John chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to cruise this, this morning. John chapter 4, verse 46 to 54. Guess what? We're in Cana again in Galilee. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in this town. Uh, but 16 miles away is Capernaum. And there's a royal official in Capernaum, 16 miles away. And his son is super sick, deathbed sick. He hears about Jesus. And you know what? He has enough faith. He's going to leave his his home, his sick boy, and he's going to travel 16 miles to Cana to ask Jesus for help. Check out verse uh, 48 in John chapter 4. So Jesus, so they meet up, and then Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official son said to him, Sir, Come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So, sir, master, like, like, please just, just come. Like, like that is, that is a statement of faith right there. And then Jesus is like, off you go. Guess what? It's like, your son's going to be okay. And the man believes, and he heads back home. And you know what? He finds that his son is alive and and well. All right? And so the son's like, or the, the dad's just like talking, and he, he, he's figuring out, he's finding out that, yeah, guess what? It was about 1 p.m. yesterday that the fever left. And the dad's like, it was about 1 p.m. yesterday when I talked to Jesus. Okay? Uh, verse uh, verse 53, the father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. And so here's the good news. Life in God's kingdom, life in God's eternal kingdom is not bound by space, time, or matter. Let us remember this morning. Let's spiral back into the story and remember together that Jesus is unlimited in his reach. He is free to heal over any distance. That's amazing. And this right here, this encourages my my prayer life. All right, next on our tour. John chapter 5, verses 1 to 18. Jesus heals a disabled man. We're in the city of Jerusalem. We're near the Sheep Gate. Did you know Jerusalem had a, had a Sheep Gate? This is on the easternmost side of the city. This is where they would bring the sheep in for, for sacrifice. Near the Sheep Gate, there's a pool called Bethesda. Bethesda means house of mercy. And at this pool, there's several sick people. They just lay there. All right, They're blind. They're lame. They're paralyzed. One man in particular... He's been there, and he's been sick. He's been lame for 38 years. In a time and culture where, like, life expectancy, like, isn't that long, 
like 38 years, that's a life sentence. Bondage. A life of physical bondage. Jesus sees him. Long story short, Jesus heals him. Pick up your mat and walk. And this sign, it points us to the kingdom reality, that deliverance from the bondage of fallenness, right? Sin breaks us down. Sin brings in this fallenness. The bondage of fallenness and all its consequences is and will continue to be a real thing. There is freedom from all of that in eternal life. That man's life was hell, but in Jesus' house, he is the Lord of mercy. And can you just imagine, like, pick up your dialysis machine and go. Can you just imagine that? Like, get out of the wheelchair. Like, you don't need it anymore. Pick it up and go. Can you just imagine hearing something like that? Well, someday we all will. We won't need all of that crud. We don't need dialysis machines. We don't need mats. We don't need hospital beds. We don't need ventilators. All those things, won't, they'll, they'll just be a memory to us. In Jesus' house, he is the Lord of mercy. John chapter 6. Let's keep spiraling. Let's remember another story here today. John chapter 6. Jesus feeds thousands of people. All right? There's crowds following Jesus. Why? Check out verse 2. They were following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. The signs. It it moves people in faith. They they were following Jesus. And there's all these crowds and uh, all these people. And they need to feed them. And it's like, where are we going to buy bread? And Jesus is like, what you got? Five loaves and two fish, right? And it turns out to be a story of multiplication. That, that Jesus just provides for the crowd. And you know what? There's leftovers at the end. And let's be reminded about this story that eternal life. Eternal life is about this, this amazing, it's, it's, it's about amazing provisions. Like, like there's a sense of growth and multiplication here. But as we think about eternal life, like, like, like Jesus is just so sufficient, right? Like, like eternal life does not run out. There is enough eternal life to go around. All right. I don't know if that, that blows anybody's mind today, but like, like we're not going to run out of eternal life. There's enough to go around, all right? It's not like there is a seating cap in heaven. That like at, at some point, it's like we'll, we'll be at max capacity. That That's not a thing, right? Eternal life, everyone, everyone should hear about it. Have the opportunity to respond to Jesus, right? All right. Our next sign happens right after the feeding of the 5,000, all right? It's later in the evening, Jesus, he needs to get away from the crowds. He goes up a mountain to pray. He sends the disciples away on a boat. He says, okay, get in the boat. Go ahead and cross over uh, to the other side uh, of the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus is up praying on the mountain. It's nighttime now. A couple hours pass by. Guess what? A strong wind picks up. Rough sea starts to go. And the disciples, they're about three, four miles away at this point. All right, so that's, you know, they, they covered some good distance there. They're probably tired from rowing, three, four miles of, of, of 
crossing the sea. A nighttime storm, rough seas, they're kind of terrified, but then something else makes them even more terrified. They see Jesus walking on water, like, like, and, and they're, they're petrified. They're petrified. All right, verse 20, it says, Jesus said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And check this out. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Like Jesus gets in the boat and then all of a sudden they're at the shore. What an amazing little detail there. So let me find my, my place here. So so as we revisit this story, what what big picture demonstration does this teach us? What does this point to? Jesus walking on water. Well, guess what? Eternal life, it's, it's victorious. It, it triumphs and transcends over the forces of nature. And I believe this sign, it points us to, to think about Jesus as the author of creation. Jesus is the author. That means he has the authority over creation. He is the author of life. He is the author of eternal life. And so we get to think now. We get, uh, we're invited to dream about us someday walking on water or, you know, in eternal life. What, it, what will it look like to be victorious over the forces of, of nature? We're invited to dream and think about that. All right, so if you're counting on your, your hands... That's five. That's five. You're going to have to go to your other hand. This is story number six. John chapter nine. Two more to go. John chapter nine. We're cruising. We're cruising. There's a man blind from birth. A man is blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered him, it was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay, and then he does something incredible next. Jesus spits on the ground. And he makes a little mud. All right. And then he spreads the mud over this blind man's eyes. And then he tells the man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man does it. And guess what? He can see. Never saw anything in his life. And now he sees. And so this sign, it points us to vision. We're all born spiritually blind. But when we meet Jesus and we decide to follow him, we are spiritually anointed and we are washed clean and we start living eternal life in the kingdom. We start to live it now. Our eyes are open today. We don't have to wait until heaven to start living this eternal life. Spiritual life can happen today. We live with our eyes open and we we continue to gain more and more vision. And we, we seek out the vision of the kingdom of God. Spiritual life awakened inside of us when we meet Jesus. And so that's awesome. What about death, though? What about death? And that brings us to the seventh sign. The last 
John chapter 11, verses 1 to 44. Jesus has some really good friends named Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, their siblings. Well, guess what? Laz, he, he dies, and he's dead for four days. And family and friends, the grieving, it's so sad. It, John chapter 11, this is a very, like, this is an emotional chapter in the Bible. And so Mary stays at home, and Martha comes out meet Jesus and Martha and Jesus are having a, a conversation and check out verse 23 Jesus said to her your brother will rise again Martha said to him I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day right so she's thinking down the road Jesus said to her I am the resurrection and the life whoever believes in me Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So Jesus goes to the cave where Lazarus is, is, is buried. A stone covers it. Verse 39. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, he's going to stink. There's going to be an odor. For he's been dead for four days, Jesus said to her. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And this sign reveals to us that Jesus is serious about us. Jesus is serious about our life. He is serious about life. He is serious about resurrection. Life and life in Christ will win over death. And so whether you are four seconds dead, four days dead, four weeks dead, four months dead, four thousand years dead, in Christ you are made alive. In Christ we are alive. And so there's water to wine. There's healing over a distance. There's, there's the, the, the ending of, of bondage. There's the feeding of the 5,000 and provision. Jesus walking on water. The, the opening of, of the eyes and raising the dead. Each sign points to a different understanding about Jesus and about the life that he offers. So church, I hope... Uh, as we quickly went on this tour here, we, we, we cruised today. A lot of details we skipped over. But as we spiraled back into these stories and remembered these stories, you know, let's, let's, let's continue to, to think about who Jesus is. And yes, the kind of life that he offers us. And so are you 
Are you pulled down by shame? Are you embarrassed about something? Do you feel boxed in by life? Does Jesus seem super far away? Are you bound up by sin or just the fallenness of broken humanity? Are you spiritually hungry? Are you really feeling the elements today? Are you spiritually in a haze? Everything just seems fuzzy. Devotion time seems fuzzy. Prayer life is weak. Maybe today you're just like struggling to even pay attention to what was happening today. That's okay. Are you anxious about dying? Each story that we covered today, guess what? It can speak into those narratives that we carry within us. Because in God's kingdom, in God's life that goes on forever, there's no shame. Eternal life is not bound by time, space, or matter. Eternal life, there is total deliverance. Eternal life is sufficient. Jesus provides and will keep on providing. Eternal life is about the the triumph over the forces of nature. Eternal life is about spiritual awakening. Eternal life means that death has been swallowed up in victory. And so church, let us believe together. Let us see the glory of God. Let's remember the manifestations of Jesus. Let's carry these stories within us. Let them impact our life. And so I really hope that maybe something you heard today has stirred you up. And let me encourage you to think about this, that eternal life has already started. May these stories teach you about God, something about Him, something about you. I hope maybe something you were wrestling with, you you, you saw a, a shift from unbelief to belief. Maybe one of these stories spoke something to you about your identity. Let's believe together and see the glory of God. Let's pray.